What makes a great round of golf is your short game. And when it comes to putting, alignment may be the most important part of the equation. That's why Odyssey continues to set performance standards with the new triple track putters. Three distinct alignment lines are centered on every triple track putter head. That's the same visual technology that lands jets on aircraft carriers. You'll be amazed at how easy it is to line up so you can focus on making a great stroke. Get lined up with the new triple track putters at callawaygolf.ca. Back in April, a Liberal MP from Southern Ontario was charged with a series of crimes, criminal harassment, assault, and break and enter. But despite the serious nature of the crimes and the stature of the man accused, the allegations weren't uncovered until two months later. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. I talk with the National Post's Adrian Humphreys about the allegations against the MP, why police withheld the information, and how even the highest reaches of government were kept in the dark. Don't forget you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, wherever you get your favorite shows. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Adrian, who is Marwan Tabara? Mr. Tabara is a uh, member of parliament who was elected with the Liberal Party back in uh, 2015 for the riding of Kitchener South Hespeler, which is one of the uh, all-liberal block of ridings about 90 kilometers west of Toronto. He was first elected in 2015, re-elected 2019, and and he's quite young for a two-term MP at 35. Mm -hmm. He's had very little profile outside of his region, though, concentrating very much on constituency work. So he hasn't had any significant roles in terms of, like, obviously he's not a cabinet minister, but he hasn't had any high-profile roles, like uh, committee positions, things of that nature? Well, he was chair of a subcommittee. So in the rankings on Parliament Hill, it goes committee and then subcommittee. And he was chairman of the subcommittee on human rights, which is one of the reasons why the allegations against him came uh, particularly shocking. Yeah, I was going to say, so most Canadians wouldn't know the name Marwan Tabara or even be able to pick his photo out of a photo array of MPs. But earlier this month, he was kind of thrust into the spotlight after you found out he's been charged with kind of some pretty serious crimes. What is he charged with? Yeah, serious crimes indeed. Uh, He was charged with two counts of assault, one count of break and enter and commit an indictable offense, and one count of criminal harassment. Back in April, the actual allegations I've learned sort of go a little bit in the more the reverse order that the charges were listed. He's accused of basically stalking or criminally harassing by sitting outside of watching a house dating back to January of this year, in fact, January 1st, New Year's Day, hmm. to the extent where it made the female occupant inside fear for their safety. It was at that same house where he's allegedly committed this criminal harassment, uh, an ongoing nature, in which he's accused of breaking into one evening on April 9th at the start of the Easter weekend, and then came uh, two alleged assaults of two victims, a male and a female. As of right now, we don't know a lot about the two victims, or at least the information isn't out publicly. I, I assume that some of that may be tied to the fact that it's before the courts, and in some cases, we do protect identity of victims. Yeah, so what we know from the um, the information filed by police that there is a male and a female victim mm-hmm. of the assault, and there's a female alleged victim uh, of the criminal harassment. 
there was a publication ban, which is quite normal in the way things proceed in a bail hearing on sort of any sort of details that may have been released regards to any sort of relationship of any of the victims to Mr. Tibera. Mm-hmm. But uh, we do know that it was a male and a female victim of the assault and a female victim of the criminal harassment, allegedly. We found out this month that these alleged crimes took place, but they took place back in April and earlier. How did you find out that he had been charged? And why was there silence about these crimes or alleged crimes for two months? Yeah, and, and as shocking and alarming as these allegations are, the fact that a sitting member of parliament can go through this process and have no one know about it is also outrageous. He was arrested on April 9th and charged on April 10th. And he had a court hearing. He spent the night in jail and then had a bail hearing the next day. The bail hearing was held 120 kilometers from away from his riding in London. Now, the Ontario court says that this was a normal process because it was uh, the Easter long weekend. Mm-hmm. And so all the bail hearings were held in London, which is sort of their main central office. It was held by video link because of the COVID precautions. And so there was no opportunity for anyone to sort of stumble across it or come across it. But what many people are founding very alarming and disturbing was that the Guelph City Police, the Guelph Police Service, where the incident took place and the police force that laid the charges, did not release any information whatsoever about this happening to the public. There was no mention of an incident. There was no mention of a male being charged. There's not even a 35-year-old man was charged with this. And certainly there was no mention of the name of the individual or, in fact, the public prominence and position in authority of the person who was charged. Why did police say that they didn't release any information about this? Well, they, they didn't really give a reason why they did. They just basically said they didn't have to. It wasn't a requirement to release the information unless the police felt there was a danger to the public. Now, I know there's great concerns within the Violence Against Women's community. The Women's Crisis Center in the region expressed concern to me about what the police consider a danger to the public. I mean, this is allegations of criminal harassment. It's allegations of assault. Mm -hmm. It's allegations of break and enter. To suggest there's absolutely no danger to the public is a bit of a judgment call. Basically, a decision was made by the chief of police who has the authority to release the information not to release it. The media officer said that it didn't come to the attention of the media office. Whether that would have changed anything was not expounded on. Guelph Police has no interest in addressing this. I've asked them repeatedly without positive response. I've asked to interview the chief a couple times with zero even acknowledgement or response of that. Including on this list of lack of accountability and transparency concerns is that when I went to go to the police services board, now this is the civilian oversight board. These are the people that are sort of the watchdogs of the police. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only way I could reach the chair of the police services board was through the police department. (laughs) Uh, I had to send an email through a police email address to be vetted by the police. They said there was an internal process for passing along messages and questions to the chairman of the police services board. And when I sent my questions through the police, the response, as it is, it's not really answers, it was a response, was again forwarded by the police. Mm-hmm. And perhaps given the system in place, uh, it might not be too surprising that the chairman uh, of the police services board said, oh, it's not my place to interfere with the activities and duties and operations of the police. Well, if it's not his, then whose is it? You've covered crime in courts for a while. I've previously covered crimes. And 
I get the idea that not every crime that police in a larger city responds to will be released to the media. You know, I, I'm sitting here in, in Edmonton and I'm aware that not every assault that happens is going to be released. I'm, I'm aware that not every stalking case that happens is going to be released. But what do you make of the idea that you have an individual who is holding elected office, who supposedly is in a position of authority and trust in the community being charged with the crime and it just kind of being swept under the rug, even by the accused himself for two months after he's kind of gone about his business doing his work on Parliament Hill and just kind of acting as though nothing is wrong. I mean, there's so many layers and levels of of concern about this. I mean, the first off, I mean, Guelph's only a city of 135,000. It's not exactly a a huge metropolis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Secondly, this was an incident that happened on Easter, almost right downtown of central Guelph. And it's, as we talked about, allegations of harassment and break and enter and two assaults. I mean, by almost any measure, that seems to be a notable event for a city like Guelph. But then you get the whole question of accountability. Beyond the Guelph Police Service's silence, there was no mechanism in place at all for Mr. Tibera to have to report to his own party. So, you know, if you believe uh, Justin Trudeau and uh, take him at his word, he says he didn't learn anything about this, that his office didn't learn anything about this until after the media started asking questions about it as well. He left jail, had a bail hearing, left jail, and went back out into the world and continued to represent the people of his riding as if nothing had happened, as if there was nothing that anyone should be questioning or concerned about. And of course, these are innocent until proven guilty, allegations only, but still they are allegations on a serious set of facts that have been unaddressed by the court. And he continued as if nothing had happened. Mm-hmm. He was representing his riding. He was representing his constituencies. He was acting on behalf of his constituents without anyone apparently within his own party or within his own riding or community having any ability to even find out about this if it wasn't through just the whispers within the community reaching the ear of a reporter. How did you find out about it? Was it just, you know, people have kind of heard things and it eventually reached you? Like, when did you first hear about this set of allegations? I heard about the allegations a few hours before I published my story. There's lots of conspiracy theories out there in the world these days, (laughs) (laughs) one of which that emerged on social media is that the media were keeping this quiet. Well, I can assure anyone that I had my story published online within a couple hours of first hearing about these. So, uh, I I mean, I heard of it through someone in the community. Mm -hmm. It seems that uh, two other media outlets heard about it as well in a fairly um, short period of time before the publication of the allegations. And thank goodness, because if not for that, what if there had been a quick plea deal? We could have a conviction without anyone knowing. And we could have a member of parliament representing his people and out and about with his reputation and his authority uh, and his access convicted of crimes. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously that's not the case in this specific instance, but, but that could have happened in this case. So that is why we need to have transparency, openness, and accountability for our elected officials particularly, but almost anyone of any authority or prominence within the community. What if this had been a police chief? What if this had been another official? I mean, who knows how many charges have slipped through in this region without anyone knowing. What has Mr. Tabara said since the allegations against him became public? 
Sure. And, and that's the key distinction, because, of course, he said absolutely nothing before that. But afterwards, when I phoned his office, I, I spoke to someone in his office who said he wasn't available and wouldn't be talking. By the time the allegations had been published uh, late in the day, he then issued a written statement. He uh, was, was leaving the Liberal caucus, so he resigned uh, from the party, but not as a member of parliament. He said he would be focusing on his constituent work, which was always his specialty, to be honest. He said that uh, he deplored violence. He personally believes strongly in the right of every individual to live a life free of the hurt and trauma of physical, verbal, or emotional abuse, which sort of covers a lot of the allegations that he's accused of, Mm -hmm. uh, and that he said that he was continuing to receive counseling and treatment for anxiety and depression, uh, which he said that he'd been living with for some time. And uh, I've made a couple requests uh, to speak with him more about this uh, since then, but uh, they've been uh, declined. Did he address the charges at all by saying, I intend to fight these charges or I, uh, you know, I deny outright the charges or, or what's the situation regarding that? Yeah, no, he, he, he hasn't addressed the, uh, the nature of the allegations. I mean, he, he hints at what they are in his standing up for the principles that a conviction of these charges would show a, an opposition to. And of course, he's not convicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this stage, they're still before the courts. But he's not addressed uh, that. He's not entered a plea that we're aware of. And he has a court hearing this week that'll probably be very, very short with not a whole lot of legal process made. As you mentioned earlier, on Parliament Hill, the Prime Minister's office says that the Prime Minister was unaware until the charges hit the media. The Speaker's office also, as far as I know, has said the same. What has the Prime Minister said in regards to one of his own being charged with some pretty serious crimes? Well, not a lot, frankly. You know, he acknowledged that they are serious allegations and uh, that uh, Mr. DeBear did the right thing uh, by stepping away. But there's always that difficult uh, point of, of innocent until proven guilty. And uh, so he seemed content to uh, leave it to uh, to the courts to sort out before anything else happens. Mm. I mean, through my colleague, Brian Platt, I mean, we, we really tried to drill down on this idea that you, you know, our premise was sort of you'd think that when a member of parliament um, was arrested, spent the night in jail, is charged with serious allegations, that when he came out the next day, that there would be some mechanism in place for either the public or the uh, the government, his constituents perhaps, to know. But uh, you know, there really isn't. Yeah, it seems to be accepting that uh, people will speak up, will self-declare and self-report. But uh, these days, that just doesn't seem to be the way it's done. Mm-hmm. And what about his caucus colleagues? Have have any of them said anything about the charges against Mr. Tabara? I'm I'm not aware of anything. I mean, we talked to the Whip's office and so forth, and several others uh, involved in in sort of the the Justice Ministry and so forth. And, and the the basic uh, chorus is we had no idea. As you mentioned, he's got a, a another court appearance on June 19th. As we know, the courts are kind of slowed down by COVID-19 and and the court processes in a lot of cases can move slowly. But in the event that we wind up with him being found guilty or pleading guilty, he's out of the Liberal caucus, but he's remaining on as an MP. Is there any recourse to see him removed from office should he be convicted of a crime or does he stay as a member of parliament until the next election, conviction or not? Uh, to be honest, I, I I don't know. We haven't got to that stage, so I hadn't asked those questions yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, and as you say, it should likely be a, a short uh, appearance this week. You probably won't get into the police stage for a while. Adrian, thanks very much for your time, and thanks for bringing this to light. You're very welcome. Thanks for your interest, sir. 10-3 is produced by Carson Durama. 
theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Adrian Humphreys. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thank you.